Hi, this is Ben Zorns with Ellerslie Mission Society. This is part two of a two-part message given by Pastor Eric Ludy at the church at Ellerslie in lovely Windsor, Colorado. It is our hope and prayer that this message would convict, inspire, and invigorate your pursuit of the Lord Jesus Christ. We also want you to know that should you ever have any questions or comments regarding any of the ministries here at Ellerslie, we are always happy to provide answers and receive feedback. Simply contact us at info at ellerslie.com or give us a call at 970-686-9022. We really would love to hear from you. Enjoy the message and may your faith and love in Jesus grow larger as you listen. Now here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Session two, the benefits of the grand estate. A quick review of 44 Happily Ever After Lane. Uh, Isn't this a nice place? Flowery meadows, birds chirping, freedom to run, fun-shaped clouds floating through the sky, a babbling brook, a family of fluffy St. Bernard puppies that never grow up, lives just to the north among the hydrangeas, a family of declawed and tamed baby koala bears to the south. So here's, this is my meadow, and I'm just happy. I have a new life, I love life, I love my wife, I love my kids. Oh, life is good! You see, the enemy hates it when we enter in through that gate. But you'll notice that he doesn't stop messing with our life. If he was impotent to actually impact our life, well, then it would be useless. However, there's this idea of temptation, there's this idea of trials. The enemy has an agenda to undermine and to sabotage our existence. And the, the Bible makes it very clear that we need to be on guard and watchful and ready for this. So suddenly and seemingly out of nowhere, we have the incident. This is the violation of our soul. This is something that happens that you had nothing to do with. You were just minding your own business, skipping through your meadow. Remember that babbling brook? You have this one spot that you skip over, and it's, just, it's like your beautiful spot, and You've been working on your skip for weeks now, and you're just loving life, and you go visit the same... You have a rhythm. You visit the St. Bernard puppies, and then you stare longingly at the little koalas, and you go over there, you lay down in the grass, stare up at the... I mean, oh, it's just so nice. This Christian life is just so wonderful. And then, boom! Out of nowhere, you get struck, and you weren't expecting it. You're off balance. You're off guard. A false, a mistake, a stabbing, an accusation, an insensitivity, a hit, a forfeiture of trust, a lie, a robbery, a violation, an abuse. It's a something. I don't know what yours was. However, I can guarantee you, if you're sitting in this room and you're, uh, you're older than, what, 13, you have at least had some incident in your life. In other words, this is life. And yes, all those under 13, I'm sure, have had their incidents. All they need to do is have one brother or sister, and there are incidents. <laughs> and yet, those of us in this room, we look back at our incidents of you know, one of our brothers and sisters stealing our toy or doing whatever. It seems so smallish next to what we're dealing with now. Oh, that, that's not, that's, Eric, that's nothing. What I have dealt with, what I have walked through, you think, And you can easily begin to exclude yourself as if you're a special variety of the human order. In other words, where, yeah, I understand that everyone else in here, they're Christians, they need to forgive. But for me, my situation is unique. Who's telling you that? Is that God saying, oh, yeah, you don't need to forgive. Everyone else, though, needs to heed the truth of my word. But you, you have a special circumstance. Oh, no. No special circumstances here. We have the reality 
of heaven and hell clashing. You are right smack in the middle of it and God has prepared you for it. He's given you everything you need to respond properly. And in fact, these are the very moments through which the glory of God is revealed. So, the manure launcher. Uh, in, I gave a message called The Power to Forgive, and it had a manure truck. And so this is a little new take on this message. We have a manure launcher, because I feel like that fits. You have walls around your, your property, you're feeling all guarded, and everything's great, and then this manure comes flying in, and it lands right in the middle of your meadow. Remember that meadow that you were skipping through? You have this one spot as you're skipping along. The guys in here are like, I'm going to practice that. And, and right at the other side of the, of the babbling brook, you do a little twist turn in the air and a shout. Right there is where it landed. Right smack in the middle of your twist turn shout spot. Excuse me? What is this? Uh-huh. It's manure. Oh, and it's someone else's manure. Not yours. Someone else's. And where did they put it? Right smack in the middle of your precious property. Is there a reason we met? Is this unjust? Is this right? No, of course it's not right. It is unjust. This is bad stuff. Someone's going to pay for this, and you'd be right. You see, we are all responsible for every even idle word we speak let alone the blasphemous ones, let alone the ones that cut and carve people's souls to pieces. You see, people can be ruthless. People can behave just like the devil. And ironically, some of the greatest wounds in our life have come not just from devilish people, but from Christians. Of all people, the very ones that are supposed to know how to protect our property for us and how to preserve it and you know, help us with what's going on inside, they can throw some of the biggest piles in there. And as a result, many of us have some deep, deep wounds when it comes to this. The disgusting inner junk of another person's la person lands plop on your sacred, cheerful, meadowy grounds. You didn't ask for it. It's just there. A big, fat pile of it. Mm -hmm. So just really quickly, you can take an inventory of your life. And there's probably some junk that has struck your life. I have a lot of it that has struck mine. This message is very intimate and personal for me. There's reasons why I go over this and think this through on a constant basis. God, am I keeping the spigot open? God, I always want to be a picture of your grace, and I don't want to allow the enemy to curdle me, to hinder me in my soul. The three options for handling the incident. So you had nothing to do with the incident. Well, I'm not saying some of you may have, you know, the old... You stuck them with a stick and then in came the manure. Yeah, some, some of those things can happen. And so sometimes it might be a little unjust in the quantity that you received, but actually the fact that you received something back might be due and just. So there's three options of what you could do with this manure. The first one we're going to call the manure shack. Okay? The second one is called the petrified pile. And the third is called the 44 happily ever after lane jump, twist, and shout celebration dance. Most of us have no clue what the third is, and so we're dealing with options one and two. So let's progress. Uh, the manure shack. This idea is clearly delineated in Scripture as an idea that will, in fact, shrink your soul, calcify your heart, and destroy you. When I deal with Christians that are struggling with a heavy, almost dead mass of tissue in the middle of their chest, known as their heart, 
usually, almost inevitably, what they are dealing with is unforgiveness. Almost inevitably, because it's the effects of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness has brothers and sisters. You see, it's a doorway sin. When you do not forgive and you turn off the spigot, it actually does bring in something, but it's not the grace of God. It opens the door for resentment and bitterness to take hold of your life. And those are the big dogs in the soul. They will erode away your life. And it doesn't take long to do it. And you will find that you will lose luster for living. You will lose empathy. You will lose affection. You will lose interest in life. It's like fasting. (laughs) How sometimes it's like life gets very gray when you don't have food anymore. Well, that's like not having grace anymore. It immediately begins to take out that luster in life. So the manure shack, I'll just read it. The manure shrine of grievance. The territory, this is the bad option, by the way. This is, uh, I mean, even Dr. Phil would tell you not to do this because it literally will kill you. You Dr. Phil may not be telling you what to do that's going to be a spiritual answer, but he's going to say you should forgive. Why? Because for psychological reasons, it's still better for you to forgive than to do this. And yet, I want to teach you something more than Dr. Phil forgiveness. That's of the human variety. Most of us have done it, or at least tried. I want to teach you God forgiveness today. So this is the manure shack. This is just a big no-no. The territory is officially declared set apart for mourning and woe. The place of the crime is officially logged in the court record of the soul as hurt and wounded property. A medical facility is instantly established to repair the soil. So you call it a medical facility. What you're doing is you're taking that manure and you're beginning to fashion it. And you're saying, I'm building a medical facility. We need to build a triage unit right now. I'm really hurting. I'm wounded. And we need to look into this matter because we need to bring proper judgment on those that did this. And we need to tend to the needs of self. So we build a medical facility is instantly established to repair the soil. And thus, using the manure provided, a structure is fashioned to cover the violated ground. Why? Well, you need to capture the smell of the crime. To carefully chronicle all evidence, to enable rumination on the hurt, and to premeditate revenge upon the perpetrator. You see, it's a little shack made of the very stuff that someone else put in your life. And it doesn't have any windows because you can't allow light into this thing. It's the darkness that helps you think more clearly. You see, if you want to do what you know you need to do in this situation, you can't allow any light in. And so out of the very manure that was launched into your life, you create a little shack. It's just big enough for you to sit inside of and to think and to ponder. And it's amazing how many hours we will spend in that shack. The windowless factory of bitterness. You see, what you unwittingly have built is a factory. And it's a factory for something very specific to begin to be produced in your life. In this manure hut, all light is cut off so that the pain and hurt of the incident can be fully nursed. All light, rain, cleansing breezes, flowery fragrances, and outside perspective are removed in order to maintain a clear and undistracted focus on the offense. The ground inside the shrine quickly dies, and the windowless, dark, depressing environment allows for the fast growth of a new sort of flower. And you're like, oh, how nice. Well, maybe it's not a flower. It's more of a prickly bush, a spreading poisonous vine sort of thing. It's called bitterness. And the darkened manure shrine is the perfect place for this bush, this vine to spread. And it grows, offering a strange and addicting comfort to the shrine territory. Any of you that have struggled with bitterness, it's like, I, I, I could say, well, why don't you get rid of it? It's a strange, addictive relationship you have with this thing called unforgiveness. And it's like, you're not exactly sure you want to give it up. So I could be talking to you right now, and you're like, okay, I know, I recognize that maybe this isn't healthy, but it's my friend. 
how is this your friend? It is killing you. And it grows, offering a strange and addicting comfort to the shrine territory. So what started out as someone else's issue, plopped in the middle of your life, has now become your issue. As you build a manure hut, uh, under the banner of calling it a medical facility, to tend to the needs of self and to properly address the issue in a court of your law, you have accidentally built a factory for bitterness. And so what it affects is not just this little territory. Remember that nice little spot of ground where you used to do your jump, twist, shout routine? You used to have a big smile on your face when you land here. Now, you're stuck here. No longer you're visiting uh, the fluffy puppies. No longer you go into the koalas. No longer do you look at the clouds. Yeah, I, I've matured out of those things. I, I, don't, I don't have time. Life just doesn't seem to fit that sort of thing anymore. I, I, you know, sometimes you know, there's a serious season you walk through, and I'm just sort of going through that right now. You're dying is what's happening, and it's not just affecting that little territory. It's affecting your entire meadow. If you ever got outside your hut, you begin to see what's happening. Bitterness is a spreading plant. It is never satisfied with what ground it has. It is always lusting for more property in the meadow. But for bitterness to grow and spread, it must have its root protected in a manure shrine. If it has a protected root, so the root is right here and you're actually the one sponsoring it. If it has a protected root, then it can spread from the manure hut outward into the rest of the meadow. Bitterness is a spreading plant. It is never satisfied with what ground it has. It is always lusting for more property in the meadow. But for bitterness to grow and spread, it must have its root protected in a manure shrine. If it has a protected root, then it can spread from the manure hut outward into the rest of the meadow. Looking diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Do you know the, if bitterness was allowed in here and we built a manure shrine, even just one of our lives, that it can spread and actually infect the body of Christ? It's not just your individual life, but this will infect the body of Christ. Unforgiveness, bitterness, and resentment cripples an individual body and a corporate body. This cannot be allowed in the body of Christ. This is not something that we can entertain. Are we ignorant of the enemy's devices? Don't we realize that he's the one that plopped that in the middle of your life to set you up for this? And who do you think's whispering? Build a manure shrine. It's him! He's the one that wants you to do that. You're playing his game right into his hands. Option number two, and this is where many of us in this room are. Now, some of you have a manure shrine, and you need to deal with this. This is very, very significant stuff. The second one, though, is what we could call the petrified pile. This is the Dr. Phil option. This is how most of us have functioned in forgiveness. It's like, all right, I recognize I need to forgive. So, guess what? I'm going to forgive you. All right? I forgive what is left in its place is a, a cool, bland, uh, nondescript emotion. It's nothingness. You don't actually care about them. You don't care if they live or they die, however you forgave them. And if the topic or their name ever comes up, you'll find a strange revulsion in your stomach. However, you'll remind yourself, well, you know, I, I forgave them. But you don't care about them. You don't actually love them. It's bland. It's nothing. It's blank. It's cool towards them. Is that how God is towards you when he forgives you? Think about that. If that's the case, we're in bad shape. God forgives. Does he forgive like that? You see, we're going to call this the petrified pile. That, the enemy launched something in, and it's right smack in your precious spot, right where you skip over the, the brook and do your little twist, jump, shout routine. And yes, it hurts. It really does. It hurts. But you're going to choose to not build a manure shrine. 
Look, at, I'm, I'm proud of you. Good job. I'm not going to build a manure shrine. I'm going I'm to walk away. And so you leave your manure right there. And so every time you're walking around, you're, you're looking at the birds and you, you step onto the, it, it becomes petrified after a while, by the way. You step by like, and it gives you that revulsion. You see, there, nothing grows here. There's no flowers here. It's just dead ground. But if you, if you, forgiven the human variety, it helps you. It closes the door to bitterness and resentment, praise God. But it doesn't work the work of grace in your life. No advantage has been gained. It's like just dead territory. And the more you get wounded, guess what? Some of us have like, we walk around and we tiptoe through our meadow, trying to get to the fluffy St. Bernard's. You see, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain. And, you know, we've forgiven, but there's, there's still a lot of memory there that's hard to just deal with. Because when people's names come up, whew, that one hurts. That one hurts. The act of human forgiveness, we'll call it dead ground. All the manure is left in a pile untouched. It is deliberately not utilized. It is passed over, left on the spot. Instead of constructing a manure shrine of grievance, the manure is left in a pile in that location. The pile hardens and petrifies. The yellow tape is taken down. The event purposely moved past and attempted to be forgotten. But the crime spot will never grow with beauty again. There isn't a shrine, but there also isn't a meadow. It's dead ground, ground avoided. It's not ground that breeds bitterness and resentment, but it also doesn't breed love, affection, and tender-hearted intimacy. It's simply dead, an unpleasant and unfortunate piece of ground within an otherwise lovely meadow. Number three, boy, that's quite the title. This is what I want to introduce us to as Christianity. This is the Holy Spirit response within us. The 44 happily ever after lane jump, twist, and shout celebration dance, a.k.a. divine forgiveness. Now, that doesn't sound like the response many of us have had to having manure plopped in the middle of our life. Uh, how many of you have practiced the 44 happily ever after lane jump, twist, and shout celebration dance? I mean, that's an odd behavior. I don't jump, twist, and shout when that lands in my property. Do I? A prayer garden. The idea is, I don't know if any of you have a garden uh, or have gardens, but you know, people pay big bucks for something to be hauled in and dumped on their property. It's called manure. So does the Christian. You know that if you handle this the way God intends you to handle it, you have been given the greatest fertilizer for your life and for your meadow and for your house that is possibly available in the universe. And guess who supplies it? The enemy. The enemy is giving you everything you need and then God gives you everything you need to respond to what the enemy dishes out to turn everything the enemy means for evil in your life into good. When you catch the vision for that, suddenly you begin to smile and you actually get a little spring in your step, a little shout, and you're like, this is good stuff. Hey, do you have any more out there that you can plop in my meadow? I mean, why not? This is good stuff. So what do you do with manure when it lands? You get excited. Oh, right. Now, some of you could say, that's right in your special spot. Uh-huh. Now look what's going to happen with my special spot. I see how the enemy tried to aim towards my special spot, my, right, my, my little jump, twist, shout spot. You know what? So what we're going to do is we're going to take this manure and we're going to do what God asks us to do with it. And that is till it into the soil. Work it into the soil. Rejoice that we have the privilege of responding to the different wounds, the different challenges, the different persecutions that we will face with his love. 
So we're going to call it a prayer garden. Could you imagine you till this under and right in your special spot where it could have been a manure shrine. It could have been a petrified pile of dead ground. Instead, what does it become? The most beautiful spot in your garden. Why? Well, I got some very special deluxe manure for this exact spot. And so what happens? The, The flowers in that area are more beautiful. And so what do you do? You build a little bench. You build a little water feature like fountain over there. I mean, God gives you special tools for all these things. He gives you like special uh, amounts of materials for it. It's just like it comes in super abundance right when you need it. And so you have your little thing. It's like you create a, a garden that's specifically meant for a very specific purpose. What is that? To cherish God's grace. And to actually sit, every time you go by that now, now it's no longer the revulsion of the dead thing, but you're like, wow, how beautiful. See, God is turning what the enemy means for evil into good. And what do you do when you sit on that spot? You remember those that harmed you, and you pray for them. It's a blessing spot. That person's going to get blown away with blessing. They're going to be changed because you are responding as God would intend. This is how God changes the world. We love our enemies. We love those that plot manure in our special spot. That's how we behave as Christians. And what happens when we behave that way is the spigot opens up. And into our life flows even greater grace than we had before. Our our meadow becomes more beautiful. Our our, our puppies have babies and there's more cute, fluffy St. Bernard puppies that will never grow old. It's like the clouds have more shapeliness to them. They look more distinctly like cute things and fun things. The birds tweet even better melodies. Life is suddenly even more lovely. I love my wife even more. I love my boss even more. I love that uh, temperamental fridge even more. And this fence built on my property line, you know, that's even more exciting today than it was before. The love increases. The joy in life increases. Your perspective is brightened. Wounded territory becomes precious when God is allowed to handle grievance his way. For God specially marks off that part of the meadow as set apart for his special grace. And thus he turns that spot into a sacred garden. He does this by taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it to good. So he tills the manure into that plot of land. He builds a quaint bench, a water feature, and inscribes a memorial stone with words like, Here we remember the great forgiveness of our God, that it is he that has the power to forgive sins. And on the bench there is a special bronze plate that reads, May God bless those who harm me, and may I become God's instrument of grace and mercy to see them healed and to see them strong in Christ. Transforming the enemy's evil. For we know that all things work together for good. All manure piles are tilled into our meadow for good. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. And just as Joseph said back in the story when his 12 brothers came and found him as truly Pharaoh's second in command. It's an amazing story. But as for you, Joseph says, you meant evil against me. You actually intended to harm my meadow. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people. What happens when we respond to the enemy's evil in our life properly? It brings about the saving work of grace. You see, this is how God functions. When we turn off the spigot of God's saving work of grace, it doesn't just not help them, but it hinders us. And that saving work of ever living to make intercession for us and help us through every trial suddenly begins to be cut off in us. God wants to save, not just us, but through us. He wants to give to this dying world that which he gave to us. Let it flow through. 
The power to forgive is in Christ. Now, some of you right now, when it comes to the issue of forgiveness, might be digging in your pocket, going, I just don't have it. Eric, if you knew my situation, you'd understand, but I can't forgive this person. It's too deep. It's too painful. That's what Corrie Ten Boom said. Her dad and her sister were killed in a Jewish concentration, well, yeah, a Jewish concentration camp back in World War II, betrayed by a man who was feigning, acting as if he was a Christian. She was betrayed by a Christian man. And the wound was so deep. Could you imagine your father and your sister being killed and you suffered in a concentration camp because of this? You lost everything? And she said, God, I love you and I love so many people, but I cannot forgive him. God, I know that's even wrong, but I, I don't have it. And she was recognizing the truth. She doesn't have it. You, you have to recognize that too. You can forgive in the human variety and create some dead ground. And I could say, good for you. It's better than the manure shrine, but it's not the godly way of living. It's not the way that actually breeds grace into the culture around you. It doesn't take what the enemy means for evil and turns it to good. You see, there's a secret, and that is it's in the house. When you enter in through those gates into Christ Jesus, there's a whole room called forgiveness. He says, come, come in. There's grace to forgive right here. You see, you don't have it in yourself, but you have it in Christ. So my question could be, do you have it in your own pockets? You say, no, but do you have it? You have it. How do you have it? By faith in Christ. You see, you actually have access to the grace to forgive. And so the power to forgive is in Christ. I could say that about the power to love. I could say that about the power to believe. I could say that about the power to show mercy and patience and long-suffering. I could say that about the power to overcome sin. It is all available there. God gives us the initial amount that we need to go through the gate. He gives us something, a grace to push us forward. But then the fullness of the God of all grace and the throne of grace is open to us as we step in and are clothed in the righteous work of Jesus. And now we can literally dwell in that throne room. And when we have need, we just ask. We say, God, I have, I have a need. You have grace. How did Paul forgive? Forgave I it in the person of Christ. How did Paul forgive? He didn't forgive out of his own pocket strength. He forgave it in the person of Christ. In him, we have the forgiveness of sins. Now, most of you, when you look at that, say, yeah, that's where I get forgiven. I walk into Christ, and I'm forgiven in his blood. Yeah, and you also have the forgiveness of sins. You have been violated. And in Christ, in him, you have forgiveness. You have what you need to forgive. Your $10,000 talent debt has been forgiven. Now go and forgive the 100 pence. And some of you are like, it's more than 100 pence. No, God's the one saying it. Compared to what I've forgiven you, it's 100 pence. Understand the value system in heaven and recognize what the cross has done for you. Now you go, open the spigot, and forgive. In him we have the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. Where do we have it? We have it in Christ. What's your position? So if you're in Christ, you have the power to forgive. Don't dig in your own pockets. Don't look to your own emotions on it. You're just going to create dead ground. But turn to Christ, and he will enable you to do what you can't do. Power to do the impossible. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. You try that in your own strength. You can't. 
Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. The discretion of a man defers his anger and it is a glory to pass over a transgression. It is a glory. It's a symbol to the heavenlies of God's very nature when you know how to properly handle a transgression against your life. They're going to come, especially when you step inside that gate known as Jesus Christ and you live inside of him. Anyone who lives a godly life in that house, in Christ Jesus, will suffer persecution. 44, happily ever after lane. Inside these blood-stained walls is everything needed for every last one of life's challenges. Everything you will ever face, provision has been made. Here in this grand castle of grace, there is power to forgive our enemies, love our enemies, and bless our enemies. Here we have the power to rejoice in difficulty, leap when falsely accused, dance when demeaned, sing when shackled, and cheer when condemned to death. In this ancient estate, we can live without fear, without pride, without greed, without lust, and without bitterness and resentment. Here in this charming heavenly home, we can always know that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword can't, can't wrench us away. And neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from that infinite and endless love of God, which is found here in the safe confines of 44 happily ever after lane. And therefore, those that live at this sacred address are truly the happiest people on earth, not just in this lifetime, but also in the everlasting life to come. You see, if everything the enemy means to harm you is constantly turned into fertilizer for even greater grace, what happens in your soul? Greater and greater joy. Greater and greater life. You truly become the ones that live happily ever after. I don't care if you're in the middle of a war-torn village. I don't care if there's bomb blasts. I don't care if they hate you and they're threatening to cut you into little pieces. And they do cut you into little pieces. They cannot separate you. They cannot actually touch you. For you are hidden in Christ. In heavenly places, you are secure forever and always. Such are the beauties and the transcendent glories of 44 happily ever after lane, known as the cross known as the person of Jesus Christ, the great work of redemption, the shed blood of our Messiah. He has done it. As an exercise, I want you to deliberately take this message, and as long as it is called today, before the sun goes down, if you will, to act upon it as the Spirit of God clarifies for you to act. For some of you, you have a manure shrine. That needs to be dealt with, but I don't want you to look to your own pockets. I want you to go in Christ and I want you to agree with him. Ask for grace, he will give it. And I want you to declare your forgiveness of them. I forgive so-and-so in Christ. And then I want you to deliberately choose to become an instrument of grace for their benefit. You see, if it truly is the grace of God, then you can ask God to help you love them the way he loves them to see them the way he sees them. I know it's dangerous because you've always wanted to hate them, and now you're actually becoming vulnerable to love someone that you've previously hated, but such is the life of a Christian. Make yourself vulnerable to that love. God, I ask that you would bless them with an understanding and knowledge of you. It might be another Christian who already knows Jesus, but that you would learn to pray blessing upon them that they would be awakened to their need for greater grace in their own life. Some people hurt you and they don't know they've hurt you. 
And as a result, you need to learn to forgive without expectation. And even those that knew and willingly hurt you, to not forgive them with condition, but to forgive them as Christ has forgiven you. He didn't forgive with condition. He forgave. And so go and forgive. Go and forgive as Christ forgave you and become a blessing unto those that have harmed you, persecuted you, ridiculed you, mocked you, abused you in the past. We've heard some amazing stories in and through what's taking place at Ellerslie. We had one girl that was a trafficked victim where her aunt and her uncle, after her parents died, trafficked her. Could you imagine? And when she got up to declare that she forgave them, it put everything into perspective in the room. All of our little hundred pence issues that we carry around, let them go. God wants to give grace into your life in a greater measure. And I know some of you have some deep, deep pains. I actually know what deep, deep pains are like. Believe me, I do. And I also know what the great, deep well of grace is like, too. Let him turn what the enemy is meant for evil into a beautiful prayer garden in your life. Thank you so much for listening to part two of this two-part message by Pastor Eric Ludi, pastor at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Please feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission. If you have any questions, comments, or just need more information about Ellerslie, please visit our website at www.ellerslie.com. Again, that website is www.ellerslie.com. For Ellerslie Mission Society, this is Ben Zorns cheering you on as Christ cultivates His set-apart life within you.